Screen time. It seems like we can't go five minutes without hearing about that important subject these days. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and your family. Thanks for joining us. You know, we spent a lot of time at The Plugged In Show talking about the influence of screen time on young minds and hearts. But is all screen time equally problematic? Or might some of our kids' interactions with screens potentially be better or maybe worse than others? And are there practical, concrete ways to begin to change your family's habits in this area? Those are just a few of the ideas related to screen time that we're going to be talking about today. And speaking of that, we'd love you to join the conversation too. So be sure to let us know what you're thinking by emailing us at team at thepluggedinshow.com. How do you deal with screen time in your family? We want to hear from you. Well, joining me for today's conversation are Jonathan McKee, Emily Clark, and Bob Hoos. All right. I have a deeply revelatory icebreaker for our conversation today. If we were to follow you around for 24 hours, what would we notice about your screen time usage and preferences? <laughs> I don't know that I want to tell you guys that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then make something up, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think that it would show me probably watching videos on YouTube and Facebook far more often than I should be. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I guess this is a confession time. So thank you, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd just say from my perspective, these days I'm, I'm using a laptop, a PC in front of a TV or holding some sort of handheld game like constantly you know i mean it's especially with these being locked in as we are from a, a ministry slash business perspective it's it's pretty much the only way we can stay connected yeah and uh, but here's an interesting thing I, as i as i thought through your question um while surrounded by all these other screens i rarely even look at my cell phone these days other huh. than to stop and say oh i'd better charge that up you know i mean that's about it <laughs> Somebody might be trying to call, you know, a call. That's we used right. to have those, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's funny for me, I, I I hate to divide it like so many of the studies, but most of the studies talk about recreational screen time yep. versus like for kids, it's school and learning screen time, online learning now they call it, you know, mm -hmm. um, or for, for adults work. Um, and, and for <laughs> me, it, it is completely two different things. Because uh, during work, it is all, um, you know, laptop or desktop, depending on what I'm doing. Desktop means I'm doing boring administrative duties. Laptop means I'm actually sitting down and doing some creative writing. Uh, mm -hmm. But when that's all done for fun, uh, it means I'm in a recliner with my feet up watching a movie mm. for sure. All right. Well, I have to confess. Here's my confession, Emily, so you don't have to feel so bad. Uh, I'm on my phone too much and, um, I've always been an intensely curious person. Uh, and I like learning and those are really, I like to think great qualities. Uh, but I'm kind of a news hog. So I'm kind of constantly sort of in semi, uh, I'm not sure how, how you would describe it. Semi passive news searching. I want to know what's going on in the world. Uh, and I also have a number of hobbies that I like and I'm, um, I play guitar and I'm, I look for gear too much on various things. So 
uh, I don't have fear of missing out like a teen might of missing a party or missing important information about friends, but I have FOMO as it's called uh, in terms of, you know, <laughs> missing important gear that might briefly be on sale and somebody else gets it instead of me. Yeah, um, and it is awesome. kind of funny, but I, I, my family will tell you that I have a bit of an obsessive streak. So I guess I asked the question because subconsciously I knew that, that I needed to confess that to everybody this morning. So thank you. <laughs> well, and, and you know, Adam, uh, we've, we've sort of talked privately amongst ourselves about how in these days, since we're always online and we're always connected with some sort of laptop or PC or whatever, it feels like there are times when it feels like work never ends. No, that's you right. You know, where you're always connected and you're that's always talking right. about uh, some sort of work aspect. No, that's right. And, and this is a, a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's a significant one as we're talking about screen time. Um, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I have found working at home, I go down to a little room in our, in our basement uh, and I lock myself in the cave for 10 hours straight. Um, <laughs> you know, when you work somewhere else, you have a physical distance that enables you to get some space and some boundary between your work and your home life. But for those of us doing work on computers at home, it feels like COVID has totally obliterated that. And so I think it, mm -hmm. it becomes another area in which we need to be intentional about boundaries. And for me, I try to shut my computer at five or five fifteen or five thirty or six, you know, if it's a long day and not mm -hmm. come back to it, you know, but if it's always just available and open, I'll be checking email. And, and so it's about boundaries and we're going to come back to, to boundaries and some concrete suggestions a little bit later in the podcast as we talk about our kids. But I think that really is relevant for us as parents right now too. Adam, I'm glad you actually said that because I think that ever since the invention of the smartphone, that we as adults really struggle with that because most adults, of course, put their work email on their phone. So in essence, they never get away from email yeah. and email alone has become one of those pieces of work that follows them everywhere. And one of the boundaries I set long ago was I only have a personal email on my phone. I never put yep. my work email on my phone. And it's frustrating for some because they're like, hey, I emailed you. Didn't you see that? I'm like, no, I wasn't at my desk. You right. know, they're like, how how archaic you are. Right. But, you know, I just, <laughs> I've done the same thing. I just know that, you know, I just know that at 930 at night I would get a work email and my mind would start going. And next thing I know, I would slip because I do work at home. I would slip upstairs and I would try to answer that or whatever, because my mind would be on that. So I, I had to make that boundary for myself because I know myself so well that I had to put that separation. Yeah. I, I don't have uh, my work email on my phone either, but another thing that I've done is I've actually turned off the notifications for my email on my phone so that oh, good for you. I'm not good. constantly checking it. Cause you know, a lot of the time it's not even something I care about. It's like spam or, you know, just, it's just junk mail that doesn't go to the junk folder because it's something that, you know, you were at a website and you put your email in to get the 10% off code or whatever. And Absolutely. now you get a million emails. <laughs> so, but yeah, I ended up finally just turning off notifications for a lot of different apps on my phone because it was just so distracting. So now it's like my phone will go off if somebody's calling me or if somebody's texting me and that's about it. Well, awesome. I love that we're already into sort of the meat of this conversation. <laughs> Obviously, we're just we're inundated with screens, right? And we all have to figure yep. out how to deal with it personally, professionally, and as we're talking our main focus today with our kids. 
So, you know, obviously screen time is a red hot subject and even more so as we've been home this summer. You know, I confess my wife and I both work here at home now, at least for, you know, a little while longer. And our kids are probably on screens too much. And we have tried to, to work around some of these things too. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but I want to flip things a little bit. We sometimes talk about screens and screen time with the automatic assumption that it's all problematic, you know, and we often sort of assume we know why it's problematic, but I wanted to dig in a little bit today to the why here, not just the what, but you know, what Mm -hmm. are the reasons for why is screen time so potentially problematic? What are some of the potential upsides? And then what are some concrete and helpful strategies for beginning to rein this issue in? So I'm going to start someplace that probably will be familiar to a lot of people, but I think it's a great jumping off point. You know, in recent years, uh, doctors like the American Academy uh, of Pediatrics and other uh, medical organizations have repeatedly emphasized fairly strict limits on the amount of screen time kids should get. Uh, They say Mm -hmm. two hours a day for, you know, like elementary kids and younger, uh, even less for preschoolers. And as they get into their teen years, they get a little bit squishy in terms of some of those limits. But um, here's my question. What is the logic behind those suggestion limits? And what are some of the potentially negative outcomes when kids interact with screens too much? Adam, man, you, you're, you're touching the hot subject that is the debate in these you know parenting circles right now. And I say debate because on one side, you have people like Dr. Jean Twinge uh, out of San Diego State University who wrote iGen, and she is a you know very loud voice about hey, uh, ever since smartphones have been in kids' pockets, we're seeing depression going up, anxiety yep. going up, suicide, and then there's this other group that's kind of been saying hey, this isn't true, that research isn't good, and literally there's been back and forth. There, there's been people saying. That that's you can't generalize all screen time into one thing. And it kind of in a way, I think, bettered her research because it forced her to be more specific. And what happened literally last year was something really important uh, that um, basically she and this guy by the name of Jonathan Haidt, they they basically assembled all this research and they made this public document that was really cool. That was basically this open source literature review and they posted it and said, okay, then everybody put your stuff right here and let's talk about it. So all the people on both sides gathered and said, here's where we see it affecting kids. And others were like, well, no, here's what we found. And they basically started debating about it. And the interesting thing is, and you can find, we, we'll, we'll have to link it on our podcast page here because it's fascinating because what ended up happening is at the end, they all walked away understanding basically and agreeing on two things. And that is one, that there really is a mental health crisis, um, mm-hmm. you know, that is affecting adolescents, especially girls. And they said, this is not just in the U.S., but in all major English speaking countries. And the second thing they basically concluded, and Gene Twinge even kind of agreed to this, is that the evidence linking screen time to mental health problems with when you look at both genders and all of screen time wasn't that strong. But when you limit it to just social media and girls, the link was very strong 
and very consistent. So hmm. it's interesting now in these circles, we're hearing a lot of the experts. And this is probably since the end of 2019 that we've just started to hear this where they're saying, okay, there is a mental health problem. Not all screen time is equal. It's mostly social media and girls. And that's where the discussion has been going. So it's interesting to see that literally in the last six months. That does not surprise me at all. Just the way that social media is geared towards women, honestly, I think it's very different than the way it's geared towards men. So that does not shock me at all. Well, what do you mean by that? Yes, I'd like to hear what you what you mean by that. I think that when I think of social media influencers, I'm not thinking of some young man. I'm thinking of some young woman. I'm thinking of a girl who has been hired by multiple different companies to promote products, to promote a certain type of lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. when I think about people who compare themselves to that person's lifestyle, it's not... Uh, no man is going to look at a social media influencer, a female one at least, and be like, oh, I wish I lived like her. No, it's the other women who are looking at her lifestyle saying, man, I wish I could live like that. I wish I could eat like that and exercise like that and dress like that and do my hair and makeup like that. I think it's just geared more towards women than it is towards men. And I think that women, unfortunately, I think we're more guilty of comparing ourselves because of that. Hmm. Well, and that jumps into a question that I had absolutely about this subject. Um, You know, social media has been identified specifically as one of the culprits with regard to declining teen mental health. And Emily, you've kicked this off here, but what are some of the other hypotheses about why social media, especially, and it sounds like especially uh, with young women, um, could potentially be making users feel worse about themselves. And Emily, as I said, you've started us on that that conversation, but let's just continue that. Well, you know, I've and I've said this on this podcast before, I always uh, say that the smartphone seems to now be a barometer of self-esteem. And I think it's really paralleling what, what Emily was talking about and describing um, so accurately, because what I found is so many young people, they walk around, they've got this device in their pocket and uh, most the uh, people that they're following now, um, and including their friends, um, you know, are posting to you know, hey, look at my new puppy. Hey, look, we're in Disneyland. Hey, look at my new house. And a lot of kids are sitting there going, I don't have a new puppy. I'm not at Disneyland. <laughs> I don't have a new house. You know. And what we're finding I'm not at is, Disneyland uh, either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one's actually at Disneyland right now. But the thing is. It's one of those things where it's this comparison game and the experts keep talking about that aspect of it because there's this, this, you know, Hey, I feel worse about myself the more I'm on and looking at everybody else. And especially now that we have so many young people wanting to be influencers, we're talking eight out of 10 young people that want to influence in some way. Now there's this almost this contest, so to speak, because they're like, how come I don't have as many followers as Christina? You know, how come I don't have as many likes as Jordan? And so this constantly comparison game, and it's not good for the mental health of young people. Hmm. Yeah. uh, I think springboarding off that, I would say that the thing about, I, I don't personally like social media at all. I'm not a big fan at all. But I think I think there are two things that it's generally populated by. The sort of stuff that you're taught, you guys are just talking about that, and 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 a lot of um, 
and you see a lot of negative barbs thrown out too. You can have a lot of people that are very, very negative and that just carries this negative attitude that impacts you even if you don't think it does. Yeah. Uh, but getting back to what, what Jonathan and Emily were just talking about, I think, I, in, a, in a way, I think social media sort of amplifies our problems. It's not yeah. just... It's not just looking at all the special things that some people have and we don't have, uh, although that's very much a part of it. I think it also helps accentuate the negatives in our own lives. Like, for example, if you tend to be a person who's struggling with self-worth and then you look at these filtered, perfectly staged images of others online, it just it, it'll bring you down. And But on the other hand, if you are... If you are one of those beautiful influencers, you know, the people that that um, that other people admire simply because they're these pretty little things floating around in a social media bubble. <laughs> that must be a good I, feeling. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, but I think at some point, those perfect, beautiful people are going to find it exhausting trying to maintain that heightened level of perfection because life isn't perfect. Let's yep. face it. You know, I was at a, a mall in Denver. This has been probably six months ago um, with my youngest daughter. And we went to this outside portion of the mall and there was a, a young woman. I mean, I'm guessing teenager um, who was posing repeatedly in this really picturesque spot with a statue behind her. Um, and then she had a friend kind of directing her. Um, and she was taking some selfies and her friend was taking pictures. I mean, it was sort of both. And, and my daughter said, what are they doing? Because it just was so self-focused and, and it, it was bizarre. I mean, it, it was, it was very strangely out of place. And yet in our culture today, it's not out of place to take, you know, tons of pictures of yourself. And I'm not going to, my point here is not to go in you know, hard on the young people. Oh, those, those kids and their selfies. That's not my point here, but I think that we do have a culture in which taking hundreds of pictures of yourself is now a normal thing, you know, and you don't oh, give absolutely. it a, a second thought. Um, yeah. And frankly, I am, I am blessed with being not pretty enough that I don't want to take hundreds <laughs> of pictures of myself. So that's not my temptation, but I can imagine that, you know, when we want to get just the perfect shot and just the perfect angle, I read somewhere that one of the Kardashians, I don't remember which one it was. And in some ways they're sort of, you know, one of the archetypes here. Um, one of them went on vacation sure. in, in Mexico and her day consisted of taking 1500 selfies. I'm like, Oh, I mean, it just, <laughs> it's crazy. That's the job of a social media influencer, though. Right. Like, that's what exactly. that's what's so scary is that they're not it, – it, it's like, yes, I think that teens have a thing with taking selfies and stuff. And, you know, there are – it's kind of scary. There are actually tutorials that you can watch online on how to take the perfect selfie. And, like, it teaches you how to pose, how to pout your lips. Yeah, just right, place. where to put the camera, how to, you know, get friends to help you take this perfect selfie, you know, because you were mentioning that young woman um, had her friend helping her. I mean, that is what it is. And if you're serious about becoming a social media influencer, which is an actual job that people can bring in six figures on, like 
that's you're going to learn how to do it and you're going to learn how to do it well and it is all about your followers because you can't get sponsorships unless you have a certain number of followers and so therefore you cannot make money unless you're getting those followers yeah. and so people yeah. just no, become the, the pressure with it. the pressure is on for sure because it's like you got to get those followers and here's kind of the activities you do to get followers i think there's another thing i've also seen out there and it's kind of a trend of just um you know i think a lot of young people are already before screens were crying out notice me notice me and like bob said earlier this is kind of an avenue an expression of a feeling they already have and and it's a way where they kind of basically record that so sadly what's happened is we've got a lot of kids now that don't even enjoy the moment because they're so caught up in uh, documenting in yep. capturing the moment documenting the moment and sharing it um my daughter and i just finished writing a book together about the effects of screen time versus face-to-face and it's interesting my daughter's in her 20s like emily and um and she's just kind of in this world and it was interesting because as we were writing the book and talking about this day after day, she was sharing these stories and she shared this one story of this one day where she went with a bunch of friends and she was at this fun event and she was so excited. She'd been looking forward to this day for so long and throughout the day she kept looking around and her friends weren't enjoying the event. They were so caught up in recording the event. And so she tried to take some pictures too. And then there was times where they all took pictures together in front of the perfect background. And she was kind of so frustrated with that whole picture taking thing. And then when she got home, she was looking at the pictures and she just confessed. She said, every picture I looked at, she goes, I thought my arm looks too fat. I look goofy. They look better than me. And she literally burst into tears and just lay down on her bed. And when she woke up, without even just hesitation, she quit Instagram and, oh. and she just nice. quit it right then. She goes, she goes, I'm done. She goes, I don't know about for how long or whatever. And then she ends up writing about it later in the book and says, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting for a year. And it's been probably six months now. And she was just telling us, cause she came home and visited about this time. The other day she was with her friend in this convertible uh, she lives in Santa Barbara, rough life, working at this uh, university there. And as she's going down the hill from Santa Barbara, she says she and her friend were sitting there, wind blowing through her hair in this convertible. And she said it was so fun. And she said she had this immense sense of relief because she truly just was enjoying the moment. And she goes, six months ago, I would have been thinking about, oh, let me get the perfect shot of this. And she said instead she was able to just enjoy the moment. I love so much that you said that because I think I wholeheartedly agree with this. I think that the problem with screen time is that we get so caught up in recording the moment that we forget to live the moment. I have groups of friends where when we hang out together, like if we're sitting at a restaurant having dinner, we all take our phones and we all have to put our phones face down. We stack them in the middle of the table until dinner is over because otherwise we miss out on just being with each other. And I think that I was watching a video the other day, ironically on my screen, yes, but it was a... (laughs) It was a recording of the, it was the Broadway cast of The Lion King singing in, I think it was a train station or something, but they were singing um, Circle of Life. And then I'm watching this video and I'm loving hearing these beautiful voices and they had it professionally recorded, but 
what I'm also seeing is that there's like hundreds of people surrounding them and they all have their phones out. And all I could think was if I was there in that moment, yeah, there would be a temptation to, ooh, I want to record this so that I could share with my friends on social media. But you just miss out so much when you're doing that. It's like, yeah, you might want to share that moment later, but you're also missing out on the experience. Like when I'm behind a camera, like trying to watch through the lens of a camera, you don't see everything that your eyes are going to see. You're not going to experience it in the same way. And I think that that's the real problem with screen time. And that honestly might be the connection with why, um, you know, depression in teens is rising because of social media. It's because they're so caught up in trying to share this moment with everyone else. They forget to experience it for themselves. Mm. Hey, you know, Adam, we've, um, we've been talking a lot about social media here, but I wanted to sort of kick it back to you as a young parent and just talk about screen time in general with kids, because I think there's a lot of moms and dads out there that might want to want to hear about that as well. I mean, yeah. non-social media issues right. with screen time. Well, and I, I'm just sitting here listening to the conversation and I think we could probably talk about it for hours. So I love the conversation <laughs> that we've had about social media this far, because I think that comparison thing really is, it's maybe the core issue here because teens by nature compare themselves. And as you said, Bob, social media provides a kind of amplifier that never shuts off. I mean, it's always right? Mm -hmm. They're reminding them of how they do or don't measure up. But you're right. You know, we want to talk about it from a parental standpoint as well. Um, And so my first question is, you know, we often talk about this as a problem just for the kids with the kids, of course, in air quotes. But what does the research say about adults interaction with these screens? And, And maybe more importantly, how do you think parental interaction with technology shapes the way children use it? Well, I mean, young Almost every study out there that's counting the hours of young people on a screen versus adults on a screen, adults are usually about an hour or two more screen time. And I always find that funny because parents in my parent workshop always react kind of like, no, it can't be. So I literally throw the studies up on the screen so they could see from Nielsen research or they could see from, you know, common sense media or these different people who are actually counting up the hours. Um, but it is it is fascinating. And, you know, you can look at something like TV, for example, and it's a no brainer because TV for sure. Mom and dad watch more TV than their kids. And well, that's because their kids are more interested in TikTok and YouTube. But uh, and it's not that kids don't watch TV. They definitely binge Netflix and that kind of stuff. But mom and dad watch more TV. And you know who watches more TV than mom and dad? Grandpa. You know, because he's still watching reruns of Matlock, you know, and every (laughs) NCIS there is, you know, there's so much TV there. Um, So it's interesting when you add up the hours and and granted, during the COVID thing, it was interesting watching TV change because Nielsen put out some reports and daytime viewing by children went way up and people are way over the hours recommended but it is interesting this is something that adults cannot say kids these days right we all struggle with this and we as adults model it because we have our phones out at the table we have the screen on whether we're watching or not and during the covid thing i tell you a lot of families just got you know fox news on or whatever news station they like just sitting up there and, um, you know, we've got to think about this. Sometimes we need to turn off our own screen so we yep. can engage yep. our kids. You know, uh, Jonathan said 
in the course of uh, what he was just saying, he said, that's a no brainer. And I think, I think that really is a big problem that we all have with screens. And I'm not talking just kids, but kids and adults too. And it's because it's easy to watch screens because they're easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. where we, we find ourselves slipping into this easy screen syndrome, you know, laptops give us instant access to anything from news, movies, cat videos and Halloween costumes. I mean, all kinds of nonsense we can find and it takes no work whatsoever. It spoon feeds everything our bored brains need. Uh, and so it's increasingly difficult, I think, for adults and kids to break away and do things like reading a book or thinking or having a conversation. I mean, conversations, those alone can be difficult. They take work. The, the, the good things of life often take work and screens don't demand any work from us at all. And it, you know, and it also just takes a little proactive, uh, you know, uh, parenting because basically parents do need to sit down with their kids and talk about this. We have to model it, but we also have to sit and talk about it. And it's funny because the experts that even walked away from that huge collaborative study where everybody was chiming in, they walked away. And even when they kind of agreed, okay, it was mainly the social media thing. They still then turned around and said, okay, but here's our suggestion to parents. Parents should consider placing time limits on device use. Um, they should, you know, keep, you know, social media to a couple hours a day. They should make sure that their kids aren't playing games incessantly. They should, you know, and so it was interesting that they literally, they all agreed parents need to be involved. They need to be having these conversations, talking about this, talk about the dangers of social media. So we need to start, you know, turn off that screen, have that conversation. Yeah. You know, I love that because it, it really starts with us and it's easy to see this as a problem that our kids have, but my kids would say I'm on my phone too much. You know, I, I confess mm-hmm. sometimes when we decide to have a movie night, um, I'm secretly in my chair. Well, it's not a secret cause everybody can see me, but you know. looking at facts on IMDb. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on my phone. And you know, the other night, one of my kids said to me, dad, no dual screening and dual screening is watching one screen while watching another. And we try not to do that. And so that's just one concrete thing. I think for me uh, as a parent, and it probably has to do with my personality. Another concrete thing that I would say is that it's easy to want to have an all or nothing attitude. Well, we got to get down to two hours in one fell swoop. Whereas I think for most of us, if our habits are out of control or at an unhealthy place here, um, we're going to have to take baby steps, you know, to, <laughs> to quote Bill Murray, and we're going to have to take <laughs> small steps. And so maybe it starts like what Emily was talking about and what experts recommend is, you know, let's start with dinner. You know, if we're going to eat together, let's put our phones away for that. Uh, maybe yeah. it's for the hour that, you know, mom and dad get home from work, you know, assuming that someday we actually go to work again. Um, we're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to do things with our phones. It's, okay, at nine or nine thirty, or, you know, whenever, as we get close to bedtime, the experts say we should turn off our phones an hour before we go to bed because of how the blue light interacts with our brains. I mean, we could talk about this ad infinitum, but, you know, instead of, okay, we have to fix this problem all at once. Let's pick a couple concrete places where we can get a win, right? Where we can begin to implement a change that sort of brings it back. And, in that sense, and I, I hate what I'm about to say, but it's true. 
Uh, it's no different than budgeting or dieting. These are two things that I hate, but we know what happens when we don't watch what we eat and when we don't watch what we spend. It gets out of control. And so when we want to change those habits, we have to make smaller incremental changes that I think change our lifestyle uh, in the aggregate over time. Because mm-hmm. I think if, if we try to just say, oh, we're going to deal with this all at once, we're bound to fail and then we're just going to slip back and, and nothing's going to change. So we really have to be intentional with this as families. And I hope that this conversation today has been enlightening. I hope that it's given you a couple, you know, concrete places where you can say, ah, you know, we can think about doing that as a family and begin to make changes where there are places that are unhealthy. Um, And you know what, we would also like to hear from you. How much time do you and or your kids spend on screens? And what are some of the boundaries and the limits that you have set that have helped you and your family to get this under control in your life. So um, drop us an email with your thoughts on today's show at team. That's T-E-A-M at thepluggedinshow.com. And maybe we'll share some of those thoughts on an upcoming show. And if you'd like to go deeper on this topic, be sure to check out Plugged In's Parents Guide to Technology, which we'll link to on today's episode page. Thanks so much for listening today. In addition to hearing from you, We would love to get your feedback and comments wherever you get your podcasts and let us know what other topics you'd like us to cover too. As always, we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show.